This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Off a high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores. J.D. Page. Boy, Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low, Hornung, dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10, here's Van Pelt. He's at the five, touchdown Colorado State. What up? We are back with another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast presented by Bojo's Pizza. There's only one place you can get your a true Colorado mountain pie. This is, of course, your favorite locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. Right now, Bojo's is offering 30% off takeout when you ask for it. Tag them and tag us if you get some of this delicious takeout or delivery. This is good at all six of their Colorado locations. Also, Bojo's is available via DoorDash. You know, they're offering to go take out whatever you have to do. We have to support these local businesses. And let me tell you, there's no business that's easier to support than a pizza business. Bojo's infuses their dough with natural sweetener. They have a tremendous salad bar. They have gluten-free and cheeseless options as well. Remember, they're offering 30% off takeout when you ask for it. We have a fun episode today. It's been a good couple of days. Have some fun. Uh, I, keep, I sound like a grandma. It's a neat episode. It's a fun episode. <laughs> it is a good episode, though. I have Jacob Hintzman, formerly of Ram Ruckus, now uh, officially CSU alumni. Congratulations, Jake. Moving on to bigger and better things at the University of Tennessee. But he has grown up in Fort Collins, been a CSU diehard. He's truly an OG and it was a lot of fun to catch up with them because they're just there aren't a lot of Ram fans that you know grow up being Ram fans. You know what I mean? There are a lot of people that become CSU fans because they go to CSU, but there aren't a lot of people that are you know green and gold, bleed it from birth. Jake is one of those dudes. You know, Jake and I honestly like we would have been best friends growing up just because we would have been two of the few people. You know, if Jake would have went to my school, we would have been like the only people that actually you know understood you know, really understood CSU, you know, in like 2004 or something. You know, there aren't a lot of 24-year-olds, 23-year-olds that were that were watching the Rams back then. But it's always fun when Jake and I talk because we have a lot in common. And, you know, like I said, we're two guys that have both been watching the Rams for a long, long time. So this is a good interview. It was a lot of fun to catch up with him. I've been meaning to have him on for a long time, hoping to have him on more frequently also, if you missed my interview with Ryan Green, make sure you check that out. Uh, right now, the the episodes they're they're a little less strict about the day. Like you know, in the in the heart of the season, you kind of got to listen to them in order. But you make sure even if you miss one, you go back and listen to them now because they're just less time sensitive. Would be the the better way to put it. But Ryan's a good dude. Also, a Ram currently the 
producer and videographer for CBS4. If you've never seen his work, he's super slick with the camera. So talented. Very proud to call that guy my friend. But here is the interview that I did with Jacob Hinsman over Skype. Still figuring out, you know, the technology process through this all. It's it's been a it's been an it's been an adaptation process for everyone. I think even if you look at like the newscasts and, and ESPN and everybody, it's just it's weird, you know, getting used to being at home all the time. But we're getting there. But yeah, this is a good interview. Here is my main man, Jacob Hintzman. All right. Joining me this afternoon is a special guest, a good friend of mine. We've got Jacob Hintzman, formerly the face of Ram Ruckus, if you will. A really good guy, has bled green and gold his entire life. Going to Tennessee after this, moving on. Our boy is growing up. Jacob, how you doing, man? Good, Justin. How about you? You know, I'm doing okay. I'm just, I'm trying to stay sane. I'm, I'm really bored in my apartment. I actually, yeah. I ordered like a refurbished Xbox 360 last night and NCAA 13 on GameStop. Because nice. I was just like, I got to find something else to do. I got to, I got to kill some time here. So it was kind of an impulse decision, probably not the best financial move in the world, but it was Definitely. only like 35 bucks for the console and like 15 bucks for the game. Oh, it was that's crazy not bad that, at all. Well, the difference, like NCA fourteen, was like seventy five dollars, which was like more than it used to cost new. Yeah, but NCA thirteen was only like fifteen dollars, so I was like, eh, you're older, but save fifty bucks. Definitely, yeah. Because I remember uh, Keegan Pope on Twitter was saying something about how he sold his recently for like double what he purchased it for originally, which is insane. But luckily for us, I'm roommates with Micah Davis, and so he still has his three sixty plugged in and. We always have uh, NCAA 14 going on at our apartment. He's in a dynasty mode where he's like 15 seasons in, took CSU to the Pac-12, um, you know, Gosh. living the dream through that video game. That was always like the best part about it because even in like the BCS eras, if you went back to like, you know, the NCAA games of like 2005, 2006, I, I used to have one back then that had Reggie Bush on the cover. I can't remember <laughs> what, it, what year it was. I had multiple of them over the years, but... Like on those, even on those games where it was the BCS system, like there was never any, you know, anti G5. If you ran the table, you were going to get that shot at the national yep. championship. So it was just like the the one way we ever got to feel like we were, you know, following a, a big time program. Exactly. And it's funny, the other teams that pop up in like the top 10 when he's playing, it's like CSU and Navy are top six teams in the nation and SMU will make an appearance sometimes to lead out. It's funny to watch that no uh no lack of revenue it doesn't come into play in exactly if only, if only it was like that in the real world but, right you know aside from watching micah play in the dynasty what are what are you doing to keep entertained man how are you staying sane through these weird times um spending a lot of time on twitter um you know i watched the the dnvr watches of the the game the other night the new mexico bowl and so that was that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I almost wish we watched like the full version with like all the the timeouts and whatnot, so it could have taken up more of my time. But um, that was my original plan. So maybe if I can find one like that for next time around, I just wasn't sure if people wanted to spend like three plus hours. But the fact that you're saying you know you want to take more time, that's that's kind of encouraging because I'm hoping to do like fifteen of these throughout the summer. 
Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, and so I really enjoyed doing that, but you know, watching Netflix, um, worrying about my job and how many hours I'll have coming up. That's kind of occupying my mind too, which isn't necessarily healthy, but, um, I've been going out on long walks as weird as that sounds. Uh, no, I think that's good, man. Like you got to do what you got to do to just one. I mean, get out. Like I feel yeah. like I've left my apartment like four times in the last 16 days and it's miserable. And this is going to go on for like months on end. So, you know, mm-hmm. if we have to go full boomer on this one and, and take strolls through the park, like we'll do it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I went to King Supers the other day and it was just interesting being in there and, seeing how people were dressed. Like I was also in all sweats, but like, so was everyone else. And it was just kind of funny to see that. Um, it was cool to see that, I guess, but yeah, just watching Netflix, chilling. Um, before I go on those walks, my step count on my iPhone is embarrassingly bad. It's like, doesn't even hit a hundred. Um, <laughs> and that's usually a sign for me. that I'm like, all right, I have to go do something. Uh, so, so yeah, what about you? You know, I'm, I'm trying to come up with content, trying to get creative. Like we're doing the DNVR watches stuff. We're doing, you know, the love is blind. And I'll be mm-hmm. honest, like we're going to talk a little bit about the bachelor at the end of the podcast, but love is blind is truly, truly a trash television <laughs> show. Like, I thought, I thought I liked bad TV cause I like Jersey shore. Mm-hmm. I like the bachelor now. You and I are, were first time full season bachelor watchers and yep. that was an interesting ride. But this show Love is Blind is literally just like the epitome of trash TV. Yeah. Have you checked it out yet? Yeah. So I, I watched it probably three weeks ago. So I was on it like very early, which was frustrating because I had no one to discuss it with. So I'm watching. I'm like, oh, my God, like this Jessica woman is driving me insane. I feel so bad for Mark. Um, and the whole situation with Diamond and Carlton and oh man, Carlton, just, we're only three chaotic. Up there, so maybe oh, he time to redeem himself, but he's <laughs> probably my, he's one of my least favorites for sure, right? Now. Yeah, yeah, just wait. Um, or I mean, <laughs> what was the latest thing you saw with Carlton? Well, he got engaged, but like he hadn't told her about his sexuality or whatever, okay. and he just like, handled it in the worst possible way. And instead of like just being open and upfront that like he had to tell her about this one, he probably shouldn't have proposed in the first place before you have this conversation. But two, just yeah. like he was like, it was the classic, like when you're in high school and you're going to break up with somebody, but you, you don't know how to do it. And so you start acting real weird. Mm-hmm. And he, was, he just like totally put the front up and it was like, Oh, this guy, this guy is not ready to handle this, which yeah. is the case with most of the people probably though. For sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're getting to the kind of meat of it there with him. But I mean, I, I will be honest, I didn't admit this when I said with what I'm passing my time with. But since you brought up Jersey Shore, I've been I binged uh, Floor Bama Shore season two the other night after we did the DNVR watches. Also a terrible show, but it's very entertaining. So I never really got into uh, Jersey Shore, but I got into season one of Floor Bama Shore over winter break. Um, and then... Season two wasn't on like Xfinity on demand. So I had to like create a fake MTV account the other night and just try to watch as many as I could in the 24 hour free access that I had. Um, an entertaining show. Uh, but I mean, the characters are just 
not good people, um, alcoholics, you know, what you'd expect from a reality TV show on MTV. I think I got to check that out because, like I said, I'm a big Jersey Shore guy, but the whole, you know, moving it down to the South is intriguing to me. I'm sure it's, you know, not a shining example of what the <laughs> what that area of the country is exactly. like. Exactly. I'll say this. My friends who enjoy Jersey Shore also enjoy Floribama Shore. So you should probably check it out. I'm definitely going to check it out. But all right, I'm going to let's let's get into the CSU questions here, because obviously right. a lot of CSU fans listening to the podcast. I can't imagine there are a lot of Buffs fans. If there are, I don't know, man, the quarantine's doing weird things to you. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you've been watching CSU your whole life. You're a Fort Collins guy. You know, what's what's your first what's your earliest memory associated with CSU? either just as a school or, you know, probably sports, I guess is usually what we're drawn to if we're yeah. going back with the old memories. So honestly, my earliest memory, I was thinking about this the other day, like earliest, earliest memory I even have, um, disregard CSU. Um, it was my third birthday party. It was at Chuck E. Cheese. I don't re- remember much from the party, but, um, at the time, my favorite football player was Ula Tuatelli, who was a linebacker for CSU at the time. And he was my favorite player because he was Samoan and had just this massive hair. And as my dad always told me, whenever the uh, media guides would be sent out before the season, um, I would grab it and flip through the pages until I found Ula's like headshot. Um, and so at the time, we had a good family friend, Ronnie Lee, who was the defensive backs coach at CSU. Um, Since then, he's gone on to coach at San Jose State, Wisconsin, Michigan, um, Minnesota. He's now a high school football coach, or at least was before he was hired on it with a AAF team um, last year. But since he was a good friend of ours, he had Ula show up to my birthday party. Um, And so that was my earliest memory was, I remember him walking through the door and I remember running, swinging to my dad, like telling him, I think like that's Ula, like it's got to be him. And then my dad's like, yeah, let's go talk to him. And so he showed up for my, to my birthday party. And I remember him picking me up and it was just an awesome moment. Um, so that, that's my earliest memory and earliest CSU memory. You were so like, I mean, they, they show, you know, some of these like younger CSU fans now, obviously like Bryce Crystal and there's a couple of other mm-hmm. ones coaches kids generally tend to get a lot of attention too, obviously but you were kind of like that guy or that you know young rams fan it was just like pre-social media deep down inside does it like irk you a little bit like for sure i mean i'll, I'll be completely honest yeah it kind of does like in the slightest irk me but at the same time i think it's really cool like my friends and i have joked like I was Bryce Crystal before there was social media. Um, <laughs> and like, how cool would it have been had there been social media? Like, Bryce now has Michael Gallup and Nico Carvacho as like two of his friends. And they have that connection, lifelong connection. Um, but I mean, that's super cool for him. Super cool for Lance. Well, um, yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody thinks that we're sitting here being like, you know, Bryce shouldn't get that attention or whatever. Yeah. You know? he's adorable and it's it's mm-hmm. awesome he has it. i just you know I, I just think it's interesting like you were kind of that kid it just we didn't have the the platform to promote people in the same ways exactly and so i remember like growing up going to all the basketball camps um getting to meet the players through there 
um, through Dale Layers basketball camps and Bill Peterson, who was one of his assistants, who's now at Baylor. Um, he was my favorite coach at those camps. Uh, great guy. And I remember Coach Peterson, when my dad came and picked me up one day from one of those camps, I can't remember how old I was, maybe second grade. This was prior to Jason Smith's freshman year. And he introduced us to Jason Smith. And at the time, I had no clue how, I don't think anyone had a clue how good Jason Smith would be and how long an NBA career he would have. So that was a cool opportunity that I had as a, as a little kid going to those camps. But, um, but yeah, born and raised here in Fort Collins, both my parents went to CSU. They've had season tickets for football, men's basketball since before I was born. So I was raised going to CSU games. Um, and that was like my family's entertainment. I had two older sisters. We didn't really go skiing. We really never went and saw movies, but we were always at CSU games, uh, whether that was at Hughes or at Moby. And our family vacations oftentimes surrounded going to away CSU games. So like, again, one of my earliest memories was going to the CSU-UCLA game in what was that, 2001, um, yeah, maybe 2002? I think it was um, I think Virginia was 02. Yeah. So we went out to the Rose Bowl and saw them play there. And then um, the 2013 New Mexico Bowl, my, one of my sisters was there with us. It was my parents, my sister and I. And um, that was probably my favorite memory with my family was getting to experience that game with them. That's so cool, man. Like as somebody that, that grew up following CSU, I mean, it's, I'm sure it was a little bit different in Fort Collins because they're just like a little bit there. I'm sure they were just like more relevant locally than like mm-hmm. where I grew up, which was Lakewood, which is Denver. So it's everyone knew about CSU. It's not like, you know, Adam state or something like that. Yeah. But just like, there's so few people around our age that like you can bring up games from that time period and like have them know exactly what you're talking about. So it always just like, I always thought that was cool about you. Cause like even, you know, I was a little bit older than you as a student, but we were basically at CSU, you know, the same time. And mm-hmm. like, if I went up to somebody else and was like, you know, remember when, when CSU played USC in 2005 on, on national television and got shut out like 49 to zero and be like, what, what are you talking about? And be like, well, it was a 49 zero loss, but like that night it was, I was just so stoked to see CSU play Reggie Bush that yep. like, I'll never forget that night. And you're one mm-hmm. of the few people that can like, actually get what i'm talking about so For i always sure. thought that was cool about him hyping you up a little bit but let's talk about how you got involved with ram ruckus which is obviously you know the biggest student uh fan group i, I don't know what exactly i should call it at csu yeah. um you know you were kind of i know it technically existed before you got there but you kind of brought it back to life played a, a huge role in making it relevant again just what was that entire experience like? You know, why did you get involved in the first place? And, 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 you know, those kind of lines. For sure. So yeah, like you mentioned, Ram Ruckus was, bef- was around before I got to CSU. Um, and at the time it was ran by Tim Brogdon, which if you guys don't know who Tim Brogdon is, uh, he's doing amazing things with, with the creative side of college athletics at university of Miami. Um, what he's doing there is awesome. But when he was at CSU, he started Ram Ruckus, um, which the goal was to kind of change the culture around the student body when it comes to CSU athletics. Because as we all know, um, it's kind of apathetic. It's kind of tough to get students engaged and to get them at games and to get them to stay at games. Um, And so he started back when 
Tim Miles had the ball rolling with the basketball team. So <clears throat> it was, uh, I would say Rain Ruckus was a pretty good force back then. And then once Tim left CSU to go to Miami, uh, it just kind of fell through the cracks. And that was my freshman year at CSU. And so my senior year in high school, CSU was a top 25 team in football and in basketball. They announced that they're building the on-campus stadium. Um, so there was a lot of excitement going into my freshman year about CSU sports. And that was what one of the reasons I was really excited to come here for school. Um, and so football season went on. We had a decent season. Basketball season was a little rough um, just due to all the seniors we had lost with J.J. Avila and Stanton Kidd, to name a couple of them. Um, and there wasn't much excitement around the basketball team. So uh, one of my now good friends, Josh Dolan, at the time, I didn't know him, even though he lived most of his life in four columns. Um, I had no clue who he was, but we kept seeing each other at basketball games. We were like, no, it's one another. And um, it was about April of 2016. He sent me a message and I was like, hey, we're trying to um, change the culture around CSU athletics and the student body. Like, do you want to be in on this? And I was like, of course, like this is right up my alley. Um, I care a lot about this university, so I, I want to be able to make a difference while I'm here. So um, I remember I went to his apartment and we had a group of, there's probably like 12 of us, and we had a meeting with Nick Popplewell, um, who at the time was the director of marketing for CSU Athletics. He's now at UTEP. Um, but that kind of got the ball rolling. Um, and at the time, so I'm going into my sophomore year, I... Uh, I served as director of marketing um, and then Josh was president and the following year it was, I moved into the VP role. He was president. Um, and after he left in 2000, I guess his last year as president was 2017, 2018, I moved into the president role. Um, but we just wanted to make a difference. We wanted to get students to games. Um, again, this was right at the time that, rumors about the big 12 were swirling and we knew that one of the biggest gripes about Colorado State athletics was the student fan support. So that was one of our goals was to help prop up the athletic department even more through, uh, through better student engagement. Um, and so we were out in the plaza handing out tickets. This was back before tickets went all onto the IDs. Um, and that was the best way to market the games, honestly, was us being out there and handing out tickets to students and be like, hey, have you gotten your ticket for the game yet? Guns the game on Saturday, guns the game tonight. Um, like my favorite memory as a student with Ram Ruckus was when we had the, the orange out game against San Diego State. Um, and then two days later, the game against Wyoming. Just the, I mean, I'll be honest, I skipped probably most of my classes during those days leading up to those two games because I was out on the plaza handing out tickets and there's just kind of a buzz on campus about the game, um, the, those two games. And, you know, we got a good showing for the orange out and we we're kind of worried that the Wyoming game with it being senior night and being two days after the orange out game, like, oh, I'm not sure many students will show up for this one as well. Um, it's kind of asking a lot of these students to, to show up to back to back games like this in such a short period of time. And sure enough, the, the arena was packed that night when the student sections um, and then Prentice Nixon hit that game winner. Um, so back-to-back -back game winners, back-to-back -back court rushes. It was awesome. It made it all worth it. I mean, the amount of time we spent out on the plaza handing out tickets, um, the work we put in on social media and just word of mouth marketing. It was, 
it was great to see a payoff like that. You know, I think a lot of people, when they think of CSU, they, it's easy to, to criticize, you know, you brought up the students and like that instance where they showed up back to back nights and, and it's easy to like criticize CSU students for not showing up, but it's, you know, it's obviously a larger issue across mm-hmm. the country. What was just, you know, what did you find to be the most frustrating aspect of working with Ram Ruckus? Was it generating that excitement or was it just, you know, like getting people to, to understand that, like, even though it was, it's a technically like a lower level of a basketball or football, it's still, you know, obviously, you know, worth experiencing and, and can have those traditional college sports memories with, does that even make sense? That was kind of, a, yeah. Yeah. A- and my answer is yes to both of those. Um, I mean, there's a whole heap of challenges when it came to Ram Ruckus. Um, but I think where it starts, which this is out of everyone's control, but when people come to CSU, rarely do you have people that come in that are already CSU fans. There, there are very few people like myself that um, CSU was their, like the team they cheer for growing up. Um, so you have people coming in that are from out of state that are like from California or from Illinois um or wyoming the amount of wyoming fans that go to csu like the amount of wyoming gear i see on campus is is kind of funny um but anyways they they don't come to csu being their like first choice of their their fandom so it's kind of tough to convert them to csu fans so when we're playing on a saturday um and like a football game on a Saturday and the team they grew up cheering for is also playing at the same time. It's hard to get their attention to come up to Canvas stadium or Hughes stadium, um, to cheer on the Rams, but also trying to build that excitement. We have, when we have games against like San Jose state or even in basketball, when Nevada was good, it was tough to like get people to realize that, Hey, like Nevada is a top 25 team. I know it's Nevada, but come out to the game. Like this is a really big game. Um, so trying to convey the message that it's important to get to have you there. It helps the team out. Um, and then to also convey that message that it, just because it's Nevada or it's San Jose state um, or Fresno state, it's still exciting to be there. Um, we want to create experience for them. Um, it's not just a game. We want it to be experienced and something that students remember um, having a great time at. So I like one of our initial goals was like thinking about, the broader picture down the line is that if we get students to games and create a good experience for them, that'll most likely make them more inclined to probably give back to the university, whether that's the athletic department or the university as a whole later on down the road um, when they're donors and have money to, to give back. Um, So like not only are we trying to make an impact now with creating a better environment for our teams, but also, creating, um, I guess, a better connection down the road and uh, a kind of pipeline with, hey, remember that good time you had as a student in all these games? Like, let's help out these current students and donate back to the university. Um, That was just kind of the long, broader vision of Ram Ruckus. Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like that should probably be the, always be the goal. I mean, like, if you want to create the people like you said that eventually become donors that eventually come back as alumni down the line you have to generate that interest while they're still still in school and you yeah. know, create that emotional bond with everything that that goes with it so you know you, you talked big picture there and and you know the potential of you know getting csu in a, in a bigger conference i think was definitely 
on everybody's mind, especially when you went back to like 2014, 2015. I think those talks have have died down a little bit just because it, you know, kind of became clear the Big 12 wasn't going to expand. Mm-hmm. Pac-12 isn't expanding at the moment, but who knows what will happen, you know, when these TV deals expire. What's your ultimate vision for CSU? Like, if, if you have it your way 10 years from now, what is the state of CSU football? Are they, you know, are they in a bigger conference? Would you want that to, to see them go, like, independent, like BYU? And then, you know, if it is a bigger conference, are you, are you, would you rather see them go to the Pac-12, the Big 12? Just where do you see CSU football 10 years from now if you have it your way? If I have it my way, the Pac-12 adds BYU and CSU so that Utah and CU now have rivals in the conference. Um, and if you look at the Pac-12, each state has two teams, essentially. So you've got Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State. Then Northern California, you have Cal and Stanford, Southern California, you have USC and uh, UCLA, then you have Arizona, Arizona State. Um, so it just seems kind of like natural to have BYU, Utah, and CSU and CU, but that's just a pipe dream. Um, do I see that actually happening? No, I don't think so. Um, as of right now, I don't see that happening. Um, but if that doesn't happen, um, I don't know, I would like to see us join the AAC and kind of create this cross country conference. Um, I was kind of against it when the big East attempted to do it back when they tried to add Boise state, San Diego state. That was probably because I think I was bitter about that um, being a CSU <laughs> fan. I mean, it is um, tough to justify that one specifically like when you're San Diego state and it's like, are you really going to justify flying, you know, 2000 miles for every single road game you play? Yeah. So I, I, I would, so I'm like a mega conference with like, you know, teams in the mountain division or mountain time zone, Western time zone, central and Eastern. So, and I think it's kind of ideal for in, in an appealing way for the AAC to, for a TV contract, like, Hey, we can have games start from the very morning on the East coast to the very late night on the West coast. Um, That's a good we're available point. I mean, all day long. Um, especially if so you did I, like 16 teams or something, which I yeah. think eventually maybe it's heading towards anyways with some of these power leagues. Like if you just took, you know, the best eight out of the American and the best eight out of the mountain West, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good conference. If you get like, you know, Houston and then Navy, you have Navy and air force, San Diego yep. state, Boise state. Like it's competitive at least. I mean, mm-hmm. it'd be weird geographically and, I'm not really sure like culturally how alike some of these schools are, but I don't know if that matters a whole lot either. Like I'd be yeah. down for it as a fan. And you can structure it like how the SEC does football where they play, what is it? Two opponents out of their division um, each year. Yeah. So like it's kind of like a West versus East um, and then the champion from the West and the champion from the East meet together and say like, Kansas city for a conference championship game. Um, I think that'd be a cool way to change things up better. The placement CSU is in if CSU in fact can't get into a power five conference. I'd definitely be down for it. I just, I don't really see any scenarios where we see the mountain West, you know, like becoming, you know, the next power league regard. They're just, there aren't a ton of schools they could add to keep the current, you know, iteration of the conference yeah. and have it be relevant, especially on the football side. I think 
if you really committed to basketball, you could maybe make it work if, you know, you were able to poach some schools from like the West Coast Conference or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's it's definitely going to be interesting because we're at this point where it's like CSU is spending a ton on athletics. And obviously, like you and I support this. We know what athletics can do for a university. We love that whole experience. But it's like, can they keep that up for 10 years? I'm not a financial guy, but I kind of doubt it. So I think something will have to change at least down the line, but it's going to be interesting. Um, Jake and I are going to talk about basketball here in just a second. Before we do though, I need to acknowledge our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. It's weird times for everybody, but right now Breck is still offering takeout at the farmhouse down in Littleton. All you have to do is call ahead. They'll even bring it out to your car If you can't go to to the brew house, you can also find Breck Brew with the Breck Beer Locator. This takes all the inconvenience out of beer shopping, the clutchest way to find the local liquor stores near you. Also, check out the Drizzly app for Breck Beer Delivery. Their 15-can sampler is the best value and variety. So clutch, you can get some Avalanche Ale, some Colorado Core, Strawberry Sky, Hot Peak, Vanilla Porter, the whole deal. Shout out to Breckenridge. Those guys are awesome. Like how I just threw that in there. I'm, I'm getting better yeah. at just throwing the, the reads in. That was impressive. I don't think I'm supposed to talk about getting better at doing the reads. But, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It's I had a to work do in it progress. Otherwise, I'm going to forget. Uh, but like I said, we are going to jump into basketball here in just a second. Uh, but I just have a couple more questions for Jake on the football side. And now, you know, let's jump to the present a little bit. Steve Adazio, obviously not the most exciting hire in the world, at least when the news dropped. You know, I think it's pretty safe to say that fans were were disappointed just because they wanted, you know, Alfred or they wanted, you know, somebody young and and exciting. What are your thoughts on Adazio? What's the ceiling like for this team in year one? You know, as somebody just that guys being dudes. Just guys being dudes. Um I'm excited. Uh I'm mostly excited about, is it Joey Lynch, the new OC? Coordinator. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for what he's going to bring to our offense. Um, You know, what he was able to do at Ball State excites me. And, and, uh, you know, with Adazia, I I mean, when Adazia was hired, everyone's like, oh, great, we're going to do what Boston College did, Um, which – isn't true, but I like the toughness that I think Adazio will bring. Um, and then the flair that Lynch will have with the offense really excites me. Um, but I mean, so you're not, you're not, you're not in a point where, you know, you're dreading the season or anything like no. that. You're, you're at least excited to see how this plays out. Definitely. And I mean, right from the bat, um, I told myself I'm not going to judge this hire until I see a team that is coached by him play on a football field. Um, until I see that, I will hold out any judgment. Um, hey, I mean, that's fair and rational. It's like, it's not like the guy's a bum by any means. I mean, yeah. to go 500 in the ACC with basically, you know, mid-major level resources and, and talent is is nothing to scoff at and, yep. you know, what he did at Florida. So I think there's definitely reason to at least have some faith. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to yeah. make them go 10 and two in year one or, or like, you know, pull a McElwain and automatically beat CU a couple times right off the bat. But I guess you won't even technically have that opportunity. 
but uh mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm i'm at least intrigued it seems like a lot yeah. of the fans have have come around is is that kind of the sense you get i, I know you follow you know i think you you just know a lot of the, like the diehard Ram fans. Is that kind of the, the sense you get from the, the people you interact with? Yes and no. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. There was a lot of doubt when the announcement was made, um, For sure. which I guess is somewhat warranted. Um, however, none of us were sitting on the meetings of the interviews. I mean, the people who made the hire are smart people. Um, I'm sure they have a good rationale on why they picked them. Um, so that's another reason why I'm holding out judgment on the hire. Um, but I know people got really excited when the whole box them in, um, initiative began with trying to go after some in-state kids, um, that got people a lot more on board with coach Adazio, I think. Um, I mean, there was always like, you, you see it and like, sometimes I even think it gets overemphasize the wanting to to land the Colorado kids. I think it needs oh, 100%, to be, I agree. It needs to be a huge emphasis. Like you, you want to do your best especially to land those those top players, but like at the end of the day you just want, you know, top level talent and I think when you look at the guys that have gone to the NFL from CSU over the last decade or so, like that backs it up there. As as good as Colorado football players are and I do think it's on the rise when you look at, you know, Eckler, McCaffrey, some of these guys, Philip Lindsay, mm-hmm. You know, the Richard Higgins, Michael Gallup's like if, if you only recruit Colorado, you're not going to land those dudes. Yeah. Well, and I think what's important is keeping Colorado kids who traditionally CSU would look over who end up going to Wyoming and kill us. Um, I think keeping those guys, guys that like, you know, yeah. they just they have pride in playing. Mm-hmm. It is like it's the, the interesting perspective because it's like, yes, you want to land you know, the Preston Williams of the world, the the four-star, five-star guys, if you have that opportunity. But there is something to be said for a guy that just desperately wants to play, you know, at CSU. Like, yep. he's probably not going to be as skilled, obviously, or as athletic as, as somebody like a Preston Williams. But when you get like a guy like, you know, Joe Hansley or something, and I, I don't want to put words into his mouth because I didn't follow Joe Hansley's recruiting example, but I just mean like a local a local guy who really takes pride in, in representing CSU. Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with that. I, I think one guy that's really going to hurt that we missed on is, was it Halliburton at yeah. Wyoming, the freshman defensive end? He's going to be a stud for them. Um, I mean, he already is, but that's that one's going to hurt, I think, the next few years having to play him um, every single year. And, of course, the guys that we – neglect they come into the border war with a chip on their shoulder trying to prove uh, that we should have offered them instead well and like wyoming is is always going to you know they're always going to land a few it's not like you're gonna be able to to land every single one of these guys Mm -hmm. but you know it is what it is yep all right let's uh let's jump into basketball here and let's just kind of start talking about these all-time starting fives. Um, right. We'll just kind of, you know, it's this is kind of informal. It's not like we spent, you know, all day researching these or anything like that. But we just thought it would be like a fun little topic to kind of, you know, pass some time, go down memory lane. So who who would be your point guard? We'll start with like just the all-time team, not like your favorite guys, just 
who you yeah. think would be running the offense if this if this is, was the number one point guard? The number one point guard. So this is tough. It came down to two players for me: um, Gian Clavel and Dorian Green. They're both very different type players and excelled in the systems they played in. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Dorian Green on this one for point guard. I think you have to go Dorian. I mean, 130 career games, like before Nico was CSU's all-time player, led CSU in assists three times, played an important role in multiple trips to the tournament. I mean, he's just, he's like that kind of guy when I think of college basketball players and like what makes it exciting, like Dorian is is the perfect example of guys like that. Now, mm-hmm. as far as Gene goes, like I actually, I have both of these guys in my backcourt. Um, I went Dorian as my point guard and I put Gian more as like a okay. two- Two. That's fair. That's just because I, I don't really see Gian as more of a like a facilitator, but he's definitely yeah. like the best bad shot maker that I've ever seen. Uh, oh yeah, and just an unbelievably clutch three point shooter. I mean, that thirty seven point performance he had at San Diego State is probably the the best like individual performance that that I've covered or or watched as mm-hmm. a CS fan. I mean, that was that definitely. was unreal. So you have Dorian at your one. Who who would yeah. be the in your backcourt then um i'm going west eichmeyer for the shooting abilities um and that, that was a tough one he was wet from beyond the arc and he could also make some nice drives here and there he could make his own shot which was good um so i gotta go with west eichmeyer at my two and you can't you can't um you can't undervalue the the postseason and then you know actually reaching it like it's nothing against Gian. It wasn't his fault. He balled out in the Mountain West tournament. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Ike might reach the NCAA tournament, I think you have to like factor that in at least a little bit. Uh, moving yep. on to the forwards, it's really hard to do the front court at CSU because yeah. one, like the game has changed a lot over the years. Like even if you're looking at a, a guy like Jason Smith or Andy Ogaday and and how they would dominate in the mid-range versus like the mm-hmm. modern game. Or like going back to the 60s, CSU had a couple of really dominant statistical guys, but then like you look at what they weighed and like how tall they were, and it's like, well, would they be able to do that today? I don't, I don't know. But I'm not trying to dismiss them. My my shooting forward, small forward three, whatever you want to call it. I struggled here because I thought about going with Stanton Kid. I know he was more of like a four during his time at CSU, but yeah. with him and JJ, it was kind of a, a weird front court. Mm-hmm. Um but I had to go with Andy Ogaday just because yeah. he's so smooth in the mid-range. He could put the ball on the floor and take you to the hole, but he could also hit a three. was lethal with the turnaround. Just a mm-hmm. guy that got buckets. Yeah. I mean, well, it's just funny. When he was at CSU, he played the center position. So I know. And so, um, that's, that's the other thing, too, is like, you can kind of like classify these guys to be like whatever you want to, to work year five. Yeah. So he, we'll get into this after this, but uh, he made my favorite, like top five favorite player uh, starting lineup. Um, however, here at the three, I got to go with JJ Avila. Um, again, like you said, it's so difficult to judge the front court here. Um, I mean, another guy I was thinking about solely based on his senior season because of how well he improved his free throw shooting. Travis Franklin was 
nasty at the forward position. Um, I'm not going to put him at his four because I've got someone else there, but um, he's another guy in contention in the front court that could make one of these top five uh, starting lineup or starting five all time lineups. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go with JJ Avila at the three. JJ was so good, man. Like I like JJ kind of gave me those like Nikola Jokic vibes before Jokic yeah. was, you know, so so popular here. He's just like a dude that's like had such skill for being such like you look at him and he looks like he's this, you know, pudgy guy that like is gonna trudge up and down the court. And then you watch the way he works down low and and the skill some of the skill he had on some of those, you know, like six, eight foot shots and mm-hmm. dude was just a baller, like He's he's one and, of the greatest. Like I yeah. wish they could have gotten that opportunity to play in the tournament. Gian's another one of those where it's like I would have liked to just seen what they could do in a setting against you know like an elite team. Yeah, and where my parents have season tickets for basketball, it's in the away fan section. And the amount of times people were like, "How can we not stop this guy? Like, look at him. <laughs> he moves so slow out there." Um, it was just awesome. And it was, like, I'd just be laughing half the time he would get inside the lane and would, you know, do those Nikola Jokic moves where they're slow developing, but they work. Um, and the fans around us just putting their arms up in the air, like, Oh my God, like someone stop him. Like, how is it this hard? So it's like being like, it's like when you're like eight or nine and you're playing one-on-one against your dad in the driveway and he's just playing in slow motion, but there's just nothing you can do about it. Just going to work with those fundamentals. Yep. Yep. So smooth. All right. Moving on if to the, to the four, I guess it would be, like I said, it, it's hard to classify like power forward or shooting forward because these mm-hmm. eras are so different, but I think you got to go Jay smooth who, you know, even though he's a seven footer is a guy that pretty much plays like, you know, more like a power forward and great mid range shooter, 14.7 points for his career, two time all mountain West best. Yeah you know, pro in CSU history, I would say yep. who, uh, do you got Jay smooth as your four? Or do you got somebody else? I have somebody else. Uh, I'm going to go with bill green on this one. Um, see, this can't is the tough one. Bill, yeah. like you have to talk about bill green if, from a production standpoint, but he was like technically a center when he played, but he's only six foot six. Mm-hmm. I mean, he averaged 22.1 points a game, 9.6 rebounds per game. I mean, finished his career, with 1,682 points and 726 rebounds. Um, I mean, first round pick. Uh, got to go with him on this one, <laughs> which kind of, I don't know, feels cheap just because I never got to watch him play. Um, no, but, but I, I mean, he's one of... Your, your, you know, you're paying your respects. It's one of those tough ones where it's like, we're, we're lim- I mean, we're in our 20s, so there's only so much we can do about somebody that played from 1960 to 1963. Definitely. But, I mean, he scored 28.2 points per game his senior year, which is pretty insane. He yeah. owns five of the top 10 individual scoring performances in CSU men's basketball history, including the top two scored 48 against DU and 44 against Regis in 63. Um, had 19 points, 12 rebounds in the NCAA tournament in 1963. CSU lost 70 to 67 to Oklahoma city. I don't actually know, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> what school that is now, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I think, I think it's fair to put bill green in there. Like I said, he technically was a center 
but at six foot six, I think it probably makes more sense to to move him to that power forward position. Definitely. And I mean, what he did with his life after basketball, I think was admirable too, becoming a teacher and teaching in inner city, New York. Um, that's a cool story. And I mean, I grew up with looking up into the rafters and seeing him and Becky Hammond's numbers retired, which um, when it comes to basketball, there's only two numbers retired in CSU basketball history, which are those two individuals. Um, so he's kind of someone that uh, has always kind of seemed important to me. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I, I put him at center because that's what his position was classified. But it was one of those where it was like, I felt like I had to keep, I had to put Jason Smith in. I felt like he was weird though. Cause like, if you look at Jason Smith's numbers, they're actually like not necessarily as dominant as, as some no. of the other guys historically, but it's mm-hmm. just also that just like, I know his game was so good that it's like, I don't know. It's hard to keep him off moving on to the center position, which is tough. Cause like you could consider Smith a center. You could consider Andy Ogade a center. You could mm-hmm. go back to Nelson. Uh, yep. I, I put Nico Carvacho slash yep, Bill Green because I didn't really okay. know like classify <laughs> it. Um, yeah. Those are they're like the two most historically or like statistically accomplished players. I feel like, you know, regardless of what is going to happen at the professional level, what they were able to accomplish at the collegiate level is is worth recognizing and you can't really go wrong with either of those, either of those guys. We talked about everything Bill Green did. You know, Nico obviously number nine all time, number 19 all time in rebounds, led mm-hmm. CSU in field goal percentage three of his four years. Just a, just a great dude, a dude that played a big part in the, hopefully the, the comeback. I think we've seen, we can at this point say Medved has it turning in the right direction, but I don't want to sure. say it's like a, a full on, you know, we're not at the top of the mountain yet. So uh, he, he didn't necessarily get them there but he played a part in, in helping keep everything afloat when it, it could have really gotten ugly. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, since you're going to do a slash, uh, I'll do Jason Smith slash Nico Carbaccio as my five. Um, I mean, Jason Smith is probably the most polished player we've seen um, at CSU and what he's been able to do in the league is, spoken for him um for himself and then i mean during the nba lockout it was my freshman year of high school we were uh we were selling coupon books for a high school basketball fundraiser at rock mountain high school um in old town and they were the worst coupon books like terrible like people people would buy them just to help us out but if you actually looked at the coupons they were the worst coupons of all time um the best coupon that there was was two for one green deal at uh uh, green fee at Mountain Vista golf course. But anyways, it was during the NBA lockout. Um, Jason Smith was in town and uh, I was standing across the corner from my buddy that was on the corner of Mountain in college who was, went up to this tall guy. I didn't, I didn't notice it was Jason Smith when he was walking down the street because um, his back was to me. But one of my buddies asked if he wanted to buy a coupon book from him. He kind of waved him off, went into Austin's, but came back out like two minutes later and ended up buying two or three coupon books from him. And that's when I saw it was Jason Smith. So I have a lot of respect for Jason Smith for helping us out, um, buying those terrible coupon books from us. But that was a cool moment um, when he was back in town during the NBA lockout. But then, yeah, like what you said with Nico, everything he's done, all the statistics um, that – 
he has put together and what he leads in CSU history is undeniable. Um, and he's someone I came into CSU at the same time as Nico. So uh, we kind of went to CSU th- through CSU together and um, great guy and had uh, an unbelievable career here as a Ram. Definitely. You and uh, you and Nico are, are definitely in the conversation for, for the goat as CSU. Uh, <laughs> definitely spent a lot of time in Moby arena. I'd say like, if you looked at the hours like that between me, you and Nico have spent in Moby over the last five years, it would be truly, truly insane. Um, We're going to wrap things up here and talk about the bachelor in just a sec. But before I do, uh, do you have any more final thoughts on just like the CSU all time five? I know you had a couple of personal five. Yeah. My like, my favorite five of all time point guard would be Michael Morris. Uh, number two, probably Wes Eichmeier. Uh, three, again, JJ Avila. Um, four, Andy Ogaday. Five, Jason Smith. If you and put then, that five on the floor together, that'd be interesting, man. Yeah, like I agree. And then coming off the bench, but just enough. Coming, coming off the bench, a uh, guy by the name of Josh Simmons. I'm not sure if many people remember him, but. Uh, Pretty good basketball player. I was only here for one year, but back when I did Cam's crew, so, you know, like the mopping up the sweat. Um, back when I did it, it was like legit. We had to be there an hour before the game, every game. We had like a uniform that we had to wear, but um, during shoot around, he'd always bring me out and play one-on-one with me. So uh, he became one of my all-time favorites for that reason. Um, so Josh Simmons coming off the bench for me. I like it. I like it. Getting Getting interesting, getting a little bit of variety in there too. And it's a good thing we mentioned Michael Morris because he truly was, you know, he was a bucket. So it's, yeah. he, he needs to be acknowledged on here at some point. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to give our thoughts on just some basic thoughts. We're not going to spend a ton of time on the jewel that is known as the bachelor. But first <laughs> we, I got to talk about uh, manscaping and precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Fellas, everybody knows what it's like trying to to shave your private areas. It can be an experience, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The engineering team has spent the last 18 months perfecting ball hair, the best ball hair trimmer ever created. This was just released, the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off your entire purchase with the code DNVR2. I'm telling you guys, the Lawnmower 3, it is game changer. It has a little LED light on there to help you see the spots that, you know, maybe you would miss before. You know, it's 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 some weird ankles down there. It helps to have a little bit of light. It helps to have a blade that is trimmed or that is designed precisely for male grooming. Check it out. Use the code DNVR2 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right, we're going to wrap up here the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Bojo's Pizza, Bojo's Pizza, Colorado's own mountain pie, with just a couple of thoughts on The Bachelor. It's It's been over for a while now, but Jake and I both were first-time Bachelor watchers, at least from mm-hmm. start to finish. You know, I'd seen parts of it before, and I'm sure you probably had too. But uh, just, you know, what are your thoughts on The Bachelor as a whole? Did you enjoy it? Are you going to come back whenever we get a new season. I think the bachelorette's actually delayed because of the coronavirus. Yeah. Um, I think I'll come back to it. Uh, Pete was 
frustrating. Um, like everyone can attest to that. Like I, I haven't met anyone yet that's been like, actually, Pete was kind of kind of a nice guy. Like I think people yeah. gave them the benefit of the doubt for like the first couple of weeks, and then eventually it was just like this. This dude sucks. He's bringing Definitely. himself. Last week, my buddy Daniel, who's also very much into the Bachelor, sent me this Reddit post uh, about someone that's from his hometown, and they kind of defended Pete, which was interesting um, with all they had to say. But I mean. Beside that, I, you're right. I don't think I've heard anyone be like, oh, yeah, I like Pete. I mean, he he rewarded drama and crime, which was so ridiculous. Um, I mean, my personal favorite contestant on the season was Kelly. I think she was mature. I mean, well, she, she has her life in order. actually an adult. And like even yeah. I don't even think Kelly could have worked on this show, to be honest, because she was like too normal to actually be a contestant and like Definitely. too rational. Yep. Um, so it was kind of frustrating when he sent her home. Like I was shocked by that. Um, but I don't know. It's just ridiculous that we made it all the way through the season. Um, he's now been a part of it like twice. He was a part of Bachelorette, made it all the way to the end, and then all the way to the end of The Bachelor, and he still doesn't have someone. I know um, at that point it's like maybe look in the mirror, Pete. Maybe uh, yeah. Maybe the maybe the problem is you. You said your favorite contestant was Kelly. I think that's yep. you know a fair answer. I actually I liked Madison a lot, but I feel like she didn't handle that whole saving herself for marriage situation very well. Like I feel like she got way too far into the process before bringing it up. Yes, I agree with that. And she talked the talk but didn't walk the walk, which frustrated me. Like what do you mean? She told him. She told well. Okay, first of all, when she was talking to Pete outside the airplane hangar when it came down to uh, Madison, um, Hannah Ann, and uh, God, what's the other one's name? The the, the one that nobody uh, liked. Uh, Victoria F. Victoria. Yeah, Victoria. Um, when she was trying to tell him, like, hey, I'm saving myself for marriage. If you get intimate with these two other women, um, this won't work out. She, first of all, didn't not portray what she intended to say. Like she had a terrible way of getting that across to him. Um, Mm -hmm. And if I was in Peter's shoes, I probably wouldn't have completely understood what she meant by either. Um, But however, the fact that she waited that late to do it. And then when she said that, but obviously didn't mean it by coming back. um, It was just like, come on. Like if, if you're going to like, give him an ultimatum like that and still come back. Like it shows that like you just created this issue for it to not actually really matter. Yeah. It it was just a weird situation. And then like Pete proposing to Hannah Ann, like it was just like a total thirsty move. Like he realized he was going to be alone or he thought he was going to be alone. So he panic proposes to Hannah Ann, then backs out. It's just like, this whole situation was so weird. My biggest takeaway from this entire season was like Barb, man. She was, she was <laughs> what a mess. Yeah. Like, I would be so mortified if on national TV, my mom is basically like, well, you guys are going to break up anyways. So who cares? Yeah. And just the, what she was like telling uh, Pete's dad, like in Spanish, like say something bad, help me out here. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. Um, just not a good look. 
Yeah. Even if she was doing it just to make a name for herself, uh, like it was such a just bad way of going about it. So, so weird. So weird indeed. But Jake, I appreciate you coming on, man. I thank you for going through all this. It's going to be interesting. You know, good luck at Tennessee. I'm super happy Mm -hmm. for you. I know that, you know, you worked your butt off at CSU to get to this point. So I'm excited for you to, you know, to continue your career and and work your way up the ladder. And, you know, who knows? It wouldn't surprise me. Can can I say something real quick? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, with me moving on to Tennessee, I just want to thank everyone. I mean, for the people that have made it this far into the podcast, I just want to thank everyone for um, everything they've, all the support they've shown Ram Ruckus and have given me throughout my time here at CSU. Um, Even though I won't be here next year, I'll still be cheering on from afar. And so I just want to thank like all the fans that have uh, supported CSU sports and have supported Ram Ruckus and have donated to Ram Ruckus and thank the athletic department, the people that have met there and who have helped out Ram Ruckus, um, I just want to give them a big thanks. And, uh, and uh, I really appreciate everything they've done for myself and for Ram Ruckus. Mr. Hinsman, always humble, always knows <laughs> what to say, man. But for real, good luck. Uh, I think it's really dope. All, all the work that you've done at CSU, I wish there were, you know, a thousand more CSU students like yourself. I do too. You know, we got to, we got to appreciate the ones that are out there. So shout out to you. <laughs> shout out to Micah. Appreciate it. Shout out to Ram Ruckus. Make sure you get, you support those guys and, you know, do your part as alumni. If we're going to be, if we're going to be critical of the students, we got to take a look in the mirror ourselves and make sure that we are doing the right things. So Jake, stay healthy, wash your you hands. You as well. Yep. And, you know, take care. I'm sure I'm going to talk to you plenty because we have nowhere to go right now. khakis wearing graphic tees feeling way too trendy raps that kill oh i'm deadly primed and ready like machetes at a deli in new delhi feeling scummy like martin scarelli turn jam into jelly then drink it like juice the water's the truth so i sip on that too skinny looking kid with no car keys like the only thing i drive is rcrv's got the stash like steve harvey oh i'm gnarly like non